We're going to be in Mark chapter 14 this morning. If you would join me in turning there in your Bibles, Mark chapter 14. Reach the final day, the life of Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. Mark 14. I have a little story to tell you about this morning. This may be somebody you've heard of. I don't know if you have or not. Um, the, the name was not familiar to me, um, but you may have remember the account. Uh, it's a man by the name of um, Timothy Treadwell. He's actually born Timothy Dexter, but uh, he didn't like people very much, um, and uh, he, he actually preferred to spend his time with animals. And um, he had a rough life, alcohol, heroin, you know, difficult life. And um, he decided he wanted to, to give his life to something uh, that was important to him. And so every summer he would go up to Alaska and he would put up a tent uh, next to a stream where the grizzly bears would come out and they would eat their salmon. And um, so he, every summer he'd do this. Uh, the rangers up there said, you know, that's not real smart. Right, you know, uh, if you're going to do this, you you need like an electric fence around your tent or something where they're not going to be able to approach you, or you know, at the very least, bring some bear spray. And uh, well, he he didn't listen to the electric fence. He didn't want to harm the animals. First couple summers, he brought bear spray with him, but he started thinking about so you know that's kind of cruel. Spray those bears with mace, and uh, you know that doesn't seem very nice. And um, so he, he just kept, kept going every, every summer, and, and he did this and got more and more confident along the way. And uh, 2003, he went for his last time, his last summer up there. In fact, he was so confident, he invited his girlfriend to come up there and join them. And so uh, they, were, they were up there, and all of a sudden, the rangers lost contact with him. And uh, they, they didn't know what happened, so they went out there, they checked around, and this is kind of gross, but they found his dismembered, partially eaten body out there, and right next to it was the, the body of his girlfriend. And um, he, he actually had been filming some of these things, and he had a camera set up. They didn't capture the attack on video, but they actually heard it on the audio. And um, it, it was a terrible thing. It was horrific. People who heard the audio said it was absolutely horrific. And, you know, today, the common teaching today is... Believe in yourself, trust in yourself, be self-confident, and you can do anything. And Timothy Treadwell was very self-confident. He thought he was just fine. And the tragic result, he thought he, was, he could do anything, even sleep with grizzly bears. And the tragic result, uh, we just heard. How do we handle this issue of self-confidence? We're going to see self-confidence in this passage and we're going to see an example of sinful self-confidence in this passage today as we look to deal with this topic of self-confidence biblically. So Mark 14, begin reading together in verse 27. If you'd follow along with me, verse 27 begins, And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. This account here is 
providing for us an example that's recorded here in the Gospel of Mark. It's recorded also in the Gospel of Matthew as well. And uh, it occurs here after the Last Supper. Um, Luke and John also record a similar account, but that's actually Jesus speaking prior to the Lord's Supper in the upper room to Peter, telling him the same thing. Now, now some people look at these passages and they say, oh, there must be a mistake in the Bible. Well, no, it's, it's really not all that complicated. In the upper room before the Lord's Supper, Jesus was speaking to Peter, and he spoke to him and said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter there said, no, I won't, Lord. Right? They had the Lord's Supper. All of that was finished. They left. They went down the Kidron Valley. They're heading over toward the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're having this conversation once again. And here Jesus not only tells Peter that you'll deny me three times, he actually says, and so will all of you, to the rest of the disciples. Peter, of course, is the one who speaks. We know that about him, and uh, we know that quality of him. Right? There is no contradiction here. You say, well, so you're telling me that what's recorded here in Matthew and Mark, uh, that, that Jesus spoke to them as they were heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and what, what happened over in, in Luke and John, where Jesus spoke to Peter in the upper room, you're telling me that, that they had a similar conversation twice? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's not that complicated. That's, that's what happened. And, and, and people use this and say, well, the Bible must be wrong. You ever have the same conversation with somebody two different times to emphasize a point? I, I do it all the time. My, my wife is probably like, stop talking. I heard you the first. I mean, you, you understand. That, those type of things happen, right? I mean, we, we do those things. You probably have those experiences, right? I, I've heard it. I got it. Okay, I know. I, same thing with, 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 with my son, Daniel. Right? I know, Daddy. Uh, you probably heard that before. Right? What ha- we, we say the conversation sometimes multiple times for a point of emphasis. So let, let's da- lay down a little bit of the chronology of, of what's going on here, what's just happened. Um, and, and I want to provide this for you from the account in John of what, what's going on in the upper room. And so we uh, just kind of lay this out. John 13. Uh, John 13, back in the upper room, Jesus speaking to, to um the disciples, and in particular Peter, verse 31 says, therefore, Jesus speaking, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, and we're going to skip ahead uh, to a different passage now. Luke 22 picks up at the same point. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thou faileth not, and when thou art, art converted, strength, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Okay, so remember all of that account that happened in the upper room prior to the Lord's Supper. Um, Looking ahead, John 14, uh, Jesus is teaching. He's in the upper room. He says, I have to go go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. John 15, right after that, he says, without me, you can do nothing. That's the I am the vine, you are the branches account. John 16, Jesus says, I'm sending the comforter, my Holy Spirit, to be with you. John 17, I'm going to pray for you, the intercessory prayer. Uh, then there, there comes the Lord's table, and then that's the context where we now make it to the passage of the day. They left the upper room, 
they, they've gone down through the valley, they're approaching the Garden of Gethsemane, and here in, in Mark 14, uh, we're going to see first of all that I'm a sheep that desperately needs a shepherd. Mark 14, beginning in verse 27, if you read that along with me today, and Jesus said unto them, all ye shall be offended, because for this night, uh, because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be, sc be scattered. What's going on? Well, we have this analogy here of shepherd and sheep. And uh, I don't know if you know a whole lot about sheep, but sheep aren't very self-confident. Right? They're not self-confident creatures. They're kind of scared. They're kind of frightened easily. Um, lions, pretty self-confident. Right? Bears, pretty self-confident. Tigers, pretty self-confident. I mean, we can go down the list of animals. There are a lot of them that are pretty self-confident. Sheep aren't one of those, right? They're not in that category. I mean, you even think of something like a vulture. They're pretty self-confident. I mean, I've seen a vulture sit on that double yellow line as I drove past him as he's eating his dinner right in the street. And he's not at all concerned about my car going by. Maybe they're just foolish. I don't know. But they seem pretty self-confident, right? They are not afraid. Sheep aren't like that. Sheep aren't smart. They've got poor vision. They're usually big, they're fat, they're fluffy, right? They are easy prey. People just eat them. I mean, that, that's what happened. And, and guess what? Jesus says, that's you and that's me. Uh, that's, that's what he compares us to. And Scripture uses examples of imagery to help us understand ourselves better. You say, well, that's not a very flattering picture. Well, we're not a very flattering example. I mean, that, that's, that's just the simple reality of it. Isaiah 53, verse 6, uses one of the most famous passages dealing with sheep. And it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So everyone who's here today, uh, and that includes those who believe on the Lord Jesus and those who do not, they, they are sheep. Right? Everyone falls into that category. If you, if, you, if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus, guess what? You're a sheep. If you do believe in the Lord Jesus, guess what? You're still a sheep, right? The only difference is the shepherd changes, right? That, that's the only change that, that, that is, is described that takes place. Your, your shepherd changes. You're no, now no longer do you follow yourself. You actually follow after Christ. That's the change that takes place. Um, you know, some of us think, well, boy, I got saved. Now I'm not a sheep anymore. No, you're still a sheep. <laughs> you just have a different shepherd. That's, that's what changes there. All right, so John 10, John 10, verse 26, puts it this way. It says, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And so we put faith in Christ. We're still sheep. We just have a different shepherd. That's the change that takes place. Even the apostles are still sheep. Right? That hasn't changed for them. Jesus refers to them as, as being sheep here. Even, even before this, Matthew 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. As Jesus sends the disciples out to do the work of the ministry, he says, I'm sending you out just like sheep. Go, go and do the work of the ministry. You know, this is something that today has become kind of a political rallying cry. I don't know if you're, uh, you're a sheep. Have you heard that? That insult? You know, you're a sheep. You're just following along. And, you know, today it's all oh, you're just doing whatever big government says. I mean, that, that's the language. And... Uh, you know, those declaring that, you know, do, do you really understand uh, what you're saying? Well, first of all, that's sin, right? That, that's what that is. That's, that's sin. And, and specifically, that's the sin of self-confidence. It's saying, hey, you follow along with whatever's going, but I don't do that. I'm different. 
I'm different. I won't go that path. You just follow along whatever happens. Me, no, 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 I don't do that. I'm, I'm different. Right? If you don't agree with me, if you don't think what I say is right, you're just a sheep. Right? It's about the level of maturity of the playground bully. I mean, that's, that's about what it is. It's the utterance of a fool. How, how do we respond to that? If somebody says to us, you're a sheep, well, the answer is simple. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And guess what? So are you. So are you. The difference between us right now is, is actually a difference of, of the character or makeup of, of who we are. It, it has to do with who we're following. Right? The, the, the difference is who are we following as sheep? And guess what? My shepherd is Jesus. And, and I'm not going to go down the pathway you, you are of, of just name-calling toward other people. You, you see, those who are acting, uh, thinking they're anything other than sheep, are, are actually just displaying for all the sin of self-confidence as they follow after the pathway that Satan would have them take. That, that's what's going on here. Jesus is very clear. We are sheep. And, and we, we shouldn't think we are anything but that. that that's the reality. Uh, if, we, if we look again here at Mark 14, verse 27, Jesus saith unto them, All you shall be offended because of me this night. What's that mean? He, he's, he is saying, You shall all fall away. Right? You shall all fall away. For it's written, I will smite the shepherd, the sheep shall be scattered. That ending there is a quote from Zechariah 13, verse 7. Jesus is saying, not I will do it, but he's quoting Zechariah, God the Father will do it. God the Father will allow Jesus the Son to go to the cross for the sins of the world. God the Father will allow his Son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. God the Father will strike the shepherd. Jesus will go to the cross and the sheep will be scattered. Why would the sheep be scattered? Because when sheep don't have a shepherd, they scatter. And so when Jesus is struck down, you know what happens to the sheep? The sheep start scattering. And we see it, and that's, that's what happens in the account. The prophecy will hold true. We will see it in, in what goes on in future chapters. You know, sheep don't go out into the wild and survive. We, we've got a lot of animals around here that, uh, that I see all the time, and, and whether it's uh, church cameras or, or cameras on the house, you know, there are these two big bucks that are always out here going up and down. You see them back in the woods behind the church. Um, you see some doe running through now and then. Uh, we have coyotes that run through all the time, catch them on cameras. I, I see fox sometimes uh, on the cameras out here. Uh, rabbits hopping around, you, you know, you see all that. We've got plenty of squirrels. If anybody needs a squirrel with these pecan trees, just come get you some squirrels. Uh, that's fine. Uh, you can trap them, take them home, have a pet, whatever. Just, just get them out of here. That'd be great. Um, you, you know, when, when we're talking about sheep, though, all these other animals, they survive just fine in the wild. Sheep don't. Sheep need a shepherd or they don't survive. And guess what? We are sheep. That, that's what Jesus has told us. And part of even salvation is the recognition that I am a sheep in need of a shepherd. I can't do this on my own. I can't figure this out on my own. I need a shepherd over me. And that shepherd is Jesus Christ. You know, there was a uh, pastor who actually titled a sermon... Uh, Christianity is for losers. You say, well, that's kind of harsh. He, he titled the sermon, Christianity for, is for losers. You say, well, why in the world would anybody say that? Well, there is a, a need on our part 
to see I am utterly sinful, I am utterly depraved, I cannot do this on my own, I cannot accomplish this on my own, and, and I am totally and utterly dependent upon God to save me. I can't save myself. Without Jesus' shed blood, I am nothing, I am doomed for all eternity. I am a loser, apart from God. And, 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 and that's what we've got to come to this realization. We're not great, we're not awesome. God is great, God is awesome. And by his grace, he chooses to work through us, even us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning verse 27, puts it this way, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know what that's saying? We are weak, but God is mighty. I'm weak in and of myself, but my God is, is mighty. He is strong. And so God uses little weak old me and the fact that he cares about me and that he would save me to make all those around who think, oh, I've got this, realize that they're wrong. That that's not so true. See, this goes against everything our culture believes. You know, I'm somebody, I'm the man, you know, whatever it is. I mean, nobody's going to buy the t-shirt saying, say, you know, I'm nothing but a sheep. I mean, no, nobody wants that one. Uh, but if we have a biblical view of understanding where we are before God, that's, that's what uh, ought to be our position. All right, so, so we, we, we've looked at this and considered this. You know, we, we are sheep in need of a shepherd, but secondly, I'm not better than the other sheep. Now, that's countercultural as well. Mark 14, verse 29. Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Right? Although all will fall away, Lord, I won't do it. it it's, it's me. Now, remember, this is the second time that Jesus has told Peter that he's going to fall away. This is the second time. Uh, verse 30 goes on. Jesus said, And verily I say unto thee, This day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter, Jesus told you that you would fall away. Didn't you hear him? Well, maybe Jesus is wrong because, you know, I'm Peter and I'm an apostle. Maybe Jesus is wrong. Lord, it's not going to happen that way. I've got your back. You, maybe it's John you're thinking of. It's not me. It's all the other ones, Lord. You know, we're all pretty good at seeing the sins of others. I don't know about you. I'm pretty good at that. Right? I, I'm, I'm really good at that. Right? I, I can see when other people sin all the time. You know, uh, can you believe what he just said? Right? Maybe, maybe you've thought that in your mind. Can you believe what he just said? He's a deacon. Can, can you believe that? Right? I would never say something like that. Can you believe what she just said about her husband? I would never say anything like that. Did you see what the pastor did? Did you hear what the pastor preached about? If I was preaching, I would never say something like that. Right? Well, we, we, we see other sins so well. Right? But you know what's hard? We're, we're, we're blind to our own. Right? It's a simple reality. And this is the second time that Jesus is telling Peter, you will deny me. And, and Peter's response, oh, no, no, I'm not. Don't say that. Don't, don't say that. I'm not going to do it. That will never happen, Lord. You're wrong, Lord. Do you even know me? 
Remember, I'm Peter. You remember? I'm the one who's got your back. Do you even know me, Lord? What is that? That's self-confidence. And here is Peter thinking he's better than all of the other apostles because they will fail, but I won't, Lord. You know, different, different people have different strengths. Here, here's Peter. He's been with the other apostles for three years. They spent three years together. And uh, when, when he declares to, to Jesus, hey, hey look, all, although all shall be offended, yet will not I, right? Uh, in, in, in verse 29. Although all will fall away, I won't do it, Lord. What's he saying? I spent three years with these guys, Lord. I could see them falling away. I could see them turning on you. You know, I, I know what their sins are. I've lived with them. But don't worry, Lord, I got your back. It won't be me. You know, the reality is, as we, we think about that, different people have different strengths and weaknesses. And uh, Peter has great strength as a leader. Right? There was no doubt who the leader was. Right? Among the apostles, Peter was the leader. And everybody knew that. And, and he often speaks first. And sometimes we give him a hard time about that, but, you know, he often speaks well. I mean, you, you think of the example, you know, who, who, do, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, as he declares, gives that declaration to Jesus. Can there be a, a greater just outburst of speaking in front of everybody than that? As, as Peter declared to Jesus, you are the Christ. You know, there are wonderful highlights in Peter's life. But, you know, sometimes those very same strengths are often the weaknesses as well. Right? He's in front of people. He will speak, and he will speak first. Uh, but sometimes he says things without thinking. Sometimes maybe even that leadership, he has a bit of self-confidence that he shouldn't have. Especially when Jesus himself is telling you that you're about to deny me. You know, it's easy to put Peter down and say, wow, just what a loser. Can you believe he would say that to Jesus? But let's, let's take notice for a minute. All of the other apostles are in the same situation. The end of, of verse 31 there, right, as soon as, as Peter got done saying, if, if, if I should die with thee, I would not die, deny thee in any wise. The end of verse 31, likewise also said they all. Did you catch that? They're all saying the same thing. Right? Peter's the one with the big mouth speaking first, but the rest of them are all thinking it too. It's not me, Lord. Look around. Look around you. It might be one of these other guys. It's not me. You know, before that first time when Jesus said to Peter in the upper room, he said, you're going to fall away. This time, he's actually speaking to all the disciples, and he's saying, you're all going to fall away. You will all be scattered. The same arrogance spirit that's found in Peter is the same arrogant spirit that's found among the other ten. And I say ten there because Judas has already left, right? He's out of the room now. I have to realize that I am a sheep desperately in need of a shepherd. And I have to realize that I am no better than you. Someone used this language. I think it's fitting here. And the idea is, is, is just simply this. Embrace a culture of grace. And uh, what is a culture of grace? What does that look like? Well, that means I am more aware of my own sin than the sins of others. And not only that, I am more aware of God's grace than either of those. All right, so I am more aware of my own sin than the sins of others. But not only that, I am more aware of God's grace than either your, compared to your sin or my sin. Right? It's bigger than either one. 
You know, a culture of grace is me seeing your sin and saying, yeah, I'm worse. <laughs> yeah, they sin there, but I am worse. I, I am worse than that. And at the same time, realizing that God's grace is greater than either one of those. That's what Peter and, and the rest of the you know, 11 here needed to understand, but they didn't understand it. Why didn't they understand? Well, they had such great self-confidence. I could never fall away. They had this great self-confidence. All right, so first of all, we looked at, I'm a sheep that desperately needs a shepherd. Secondly, I'm not better than the other sheep. Thirdly, I don't have the strength to follow Christ. Verse 30 now. Look here in Mark 14, verse 30. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Verse 31, But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. You know, it's easy to boast in our own strength. Say, I would never do that. I can't believe what they did. I would never do that. that that's the easy thing to do. But, you know, Scripture tells us that over and over again, you know, pride cometh before the fall, right? I mean, that's, that's what Proverbs 16, 18 says. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And, and I can just tell you, one of, the, one of the scariest things in pastoral ministry is watching other pastors fall. Right? People I went to school with, people I know, and, and watching them fall. Uh, you, you look at, you look at uh, other organizations, prominent organizations, people you know and I know that we have looked up to you know, it was a number of years ago, prominent organization, somebody in leadership, not the, the head guy, somebody in leadership, goes into sin. It becomes public. What happens? The head leader gets up. He says, this has happened. It's a terrible thing. Uh, this was an isolated incident. It's so terrible. All right, three years later, that same guy who was just speaking is out for the exact same sin. Right? He's out of the ministry. We, we see this type of thing all the time. And, and we see people who, who we think are heroes in the faith, and they, and they fall. And, and what's our inclination in response to that? Well, never me. Never me. Right? It wouldn't be me. I couldn't do that. But you know, if, if Peter himself, having been warned by Jesus twice, face to face, was not able to stand in his own strength against the sin that he was warned about on that very same day, what hope do we have to combat sin in our own strength? I, I think it's pretty clear. None at all. Right? It, 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 when we see sin out there, you know, not me, by the grace of God. Right? That's the only reason. It's the grace of God. What, what right do we have to be self-confident in our own ability? You know, self-confidence is not a godly virtue. It is not a fruit of the Spirit. What, so what, if, if we think about this, what do we have confidence in? What are the things that we have confidence in? If it's not to be in self, what are the things that we, we should be confident about? Well, I should be confident about how desperately I need Jesus Christ. I can be confident in that. 
I can tell you confidently, I need Jesus Christ every day. Because I can't live this life on my own. What else should we be confident about? We should be confident that there is no sin that's beyond me committing apart from Jesus Christ. That there is, is not one. Not one. I can commit them all apart from Jesus Christ. You know what else we should be confident about? That every time someone tells me about someone falling into sin, that I could be the next one to reject Jesus Christ. That could be me. And so, maybe we're thinking, yeah, but pastor, there are some sins that are just so grievous. They're so terrible. They are are the worst of the worst. And, And I could never do that. I could never, ever do that. And, and all I could say to you is, is very simply that you are deceived. You are deceived if you think you're above that. We, we need to understand the depths of our depravity, but for the grace of God. And we need to be desperately dependent upon God every single moment of every single day. I'm a sheep that desperately needs a shepherd. Secondly, I'm not better than the other sheep. Thirdly, I don't have the strength to follow Christ. All of that comes from God. So what does that mean? It's it's not enough to just say, well, I'm saved, so I'm good now. Right? I'm saved, so I'm good now. We we need Jesus every single day. We need his help all along the way. So let me give you another example. We we started with an illustration of... um, Poor Timothy Treadwell, uh, who's lost his life to the the Grizzlies um, up there in Alaska. I want to tell you another uh, account. There's a man by the name of uh, Carol Susick, and uh, he was a uh, Canadian stuntman. And um, I don't know, how many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Have you been up there? Okay, yeah, a handful of you, okay. All right, well, well, he was one of those guys who, who, who planned to go over the falls. You know, that was one of his things. And um, I don't know, if you've ever been to the museum up there, you see all these things. So his name is probably mentioned somewhere in there. Um, but uh, I guess that there are like 15 people who have intentionally gone over the falls, you know, with the intention of, of living. And, you know, a couple have made it, a couple have been badly injured, a couple died, you know, that kind of thing. It's sort of a little bit of everything in terms of the results. So he studied the falls. He, he um, and obviously you go over the horseshoe part, right? The other ones are all rocky. Nobody makes it over that. You go over the horseshoe part, and uh, he studied it, studied the currents, said this is where to go in, this is where, you know, how you avoid the rocks at the bottom. Made all this plan, right? And he made a, a custom-designed barrel. And uh, this, this barrel will allow me to, to live. And so July 2nd, 1984, he gets dropped into the river. He goes down, he goes over the falls, and... He lived. He lived. You say, well, that's what I wasn't thinking. That. I, I know, I tripped you up. Right? But he, he lived. That's what happened. He lived. Okay? And uh, he's bleeding. I mean, he was bleeding, but he still lived. And so uh, he gets to the bottom. They fish him out or whatever. Uh, he climbs out of the barrel. He's bleeding. They got the cameras on him, and uh, they're filming him, making documentaries, all this stuff. And he, he actually, after that, starts going around and he's speaking to all these different places. You know, people would pay him a speaker fee and, and he'd go and he'd come in and speak and say, if you just believe in yourself, you can achieve anything. And, and that was his message. And he'd go on to these different places and, and tell them about how much you could accomplish. And so um, he, he starts realizing, hey, you know, this is really a good moneymaker. 
uh, we're doing pretty well with this. Uh, let's do something even bigger. And so uh, as, as the crowds start growing, he, he realizes, okay, I can make a whole lot of money. I just need to fill up a stadium. And so uh, he sets up an event at the Houston Astrodome. Now, uh, that's not around anymore, but uh, it used to be a you know, big, big stadium down there in Houston. And uh, um, he, he would, would actually start off and he'd give the speech about you know, believing in yourself and you can do everything. And he goes in there and he shows off the barrel that he's designed. And uh, he gets in the barrel as, as part of the display, and he actually has a big uh, lift set up. And they raise the barrel up 180 feet. And underneath the barrel, he's got a pool, right? So there's this water underneath. And so the idea is I can be dropped in this barrel 180 feet, land in this pool, and I'll, I'll still survive. It will be fine. And so uh, that's his plan, right? And, and so they start lifting him up, lifting him up. And just before he gets up to the 180 feet, he's not quite there. And for whatever reason, the barrel releases. Okay, so, so he falls down. And instead of landing in the middle of the pool, he, he lands on the edge of the pool. Right? He hits the barrier, uh, hits the wall. And, and so um, here's everybody in the Houston Astrodome watching this transpire uh, just in front of him. Okay, it, and, and so... He's in there. The barrel has been partially crushed. They actually have to bring like the jaws of life out or something like that and cut him out of the barrel. And so he, he gets up. He staggers out of the barrel. He walks around just for a couple minutes, and then he dies right there in front of everybody of traumatic brain injury. I mean, that's, that's in front of the whole crowd. This is a man who was so self-confident. After he lived going over the falls, he said, well, if I can live that, certainly I can, I can live doing this in a controlled environment, right, in front of everybody. Certainly I've got this set up. And, and you, know, you know what? That self-confidence led to his death. And if you, you want to know, who was he like? He was just like the Apostle Peter. That's exactly who he was like. He said, I can do it. I can do it. And, you know, he was just like all the 11, just like all the other apostles. And he was just like me. And he was just like all of you. See, whenever we fall into that trap of thinking, as long as I have self-confidence, I'll be fine. Today, what we need is not self-confidence. What we need is confidence of how desperately we need Jesus Christ. We need to be confident of how much we need Jesus and, and you know what? That, that's the confidence we need today. We need to be confident that we need our Savior working in our life day by day and that each and every task we face, we can't do it apart from Him. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father and our God, we, we thank You so much for Your Word. Father, You have challenged our hearts today, this passage. And Lord, we pray that as we consider just the reality that, that you have called us to live a life with you as our shepherd. Father, we pray that we would be people who would actually seek you out day by day. That we would be dependent upon you. That we wouldn't go forth in our own strength. Father, we, we thank you that you provide for us positive examples and negative examples in Scripture. Father, even in the examples, the negative examples that are provided for us today from Peter and the apostles, 
there is an abundance of grace. So, Father, we pray that today we would learn. Father, where you have revealed sin, we pray that we would confess it and forsake it. Father, help us not to be dejected, but to know that there is forgiveness from you the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we, we just simply lay down before you our need today. We beg of you to work in our lives and hearts to help us to change, be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Father, to not have self-confidence, but to have confidence in you. Father, as you work in our lives today, we pray also that for anyone who is here, who maybe has never had Jesus as their shepherd, who has never trusted Christ for salvation. We pray that today might be that day of salvation. Father, we're all sheep, but some have Jesus as a shepherd. Father, we would desire that for all. We pray that today would be that day of salvation. Head bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you a chance to respond. If you would say uh, just very simply this morning, uh, Pastor, um, I have seen my sin today. I have seen sin in my life today. And Pastor, by the grace of God, I want to confess it and forsake it. It's my desire to live in a way that's pleasing to Jesus Christ. Pastor, would you pray for me? Um, I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray for you. Now, if that's you today, would you slip up your hand? No one looking around. Amen. 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 Any hands? Give me one more opportunity to respond. Say, Pastor, I realize I'm a sheep, but Jesus has not been my shepherd. Never put my trust in Jesus to save me, but I want him as my shepherd. Don't want to continue this life relying on myself. I need Jesus to be my shepherd. That's you. I'm not going to call you out. just want to pray for you. Anybody like that at all today? Just lift up your hand. I won't, won't call you out. Amen. Amen. Father and our God, we pray for these who are responding this day and this moment. Father, you are working in lives and hearts all around this room. And Father, we, we pray for, for those who are making commitments today, those who are even calling out to you right now. Father, for those who are dealing with this sin of self-confidence, Father, we pray as they confess it and forsake it, that you will give them an abundance of grace. Father, help them to press on, taking the next right step. Father, if there's anybody who needs additional help, I just pray that just have the humility to, to reach out for accountability, to further study. Father, we, we pray that you would work in our lives, that we would see lasting change, not for ourselves, but for your glory, ultimately. And Father, for, for those who've never trusted Christ for salvation, Father, I, th I thank you for those who raised their hands today. Father, I pray that today would be that day of salvation. Father, I pray that today might be the day where confidence is known that Jesus truly is my shepherd. And Father, we just give you the praise for what you're doing. Father, we love you so much. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the impact it has in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.